Welcome to the Shutdown Fullcast. You know, college football, you, you never really know what you're going to get week to week. And we've been very lucky thus far in 2017. H- haven't we, Ryan? We have. We've had like the good mixture of disaster and excitement. And it's it's kind of been like the movie Speed. If you suspend disbelief enough so that you can buy things like Miami is actually good and Florida State is very much not and Florida doesn't exist, then you can really enjoy this, even though most of the coaches have the personality of Keanu Reeves in uh, any any non-action film, I would say, like a romance. Are people into Keanu Reeves as a romantic figure? I don't know. And I don't know that I want to know. But I bet he would be a great college football coach. I think somebody who's into Keanu Reeves as a romantic figure is the kind of person who they just want something uh, simple. They want something chill and easy. I think that if you take whatever you uh, whatever Keanu Reeves is and invert it, you probably get that person's real life partner. Right. Like the man, <laughs> woman interested in Keanu Reeves is probably interested is probably dating a fair, angry, short hyper demanding insensitive uh type a sort of case. loud loud as well loud loud deeply unchill right like just deeply unchill in every single way so if that if that's if that's the person you know they're they're dating brian kelly is basically what I'm saying. <laughs> right. and i'm sorry that you're dating brian kelly because that's unfortunate well, hey, even even you're having like a, a, a positive experience this season. I don't know about da- dating wise, but football wise, you, sure, didn't, sure. you didn't lose to Navy, and that's a good thing, right? That's this whole week, in a nutshell, is are things that almost happened or might have happened for a second, but then slipped away. For instance, I don't know, fourteen seven Auburn over Louisiana Monroe at the half. If you'll remember, ten years ago. Things got a little squirrely between a team in Alabama and Louisiana Monroe. So looking at the half, you go, ooh, man, it's a fire gust week. Because remember, there are only two kinds of weeks, right? There's a fire gust week and there's a keep gust forever week. There's no middle ground with Gus Melzahn at Auburn. Hey, hey it's, it's, it, it's a lot like marriage. Every day you either decide to stay married or get divorced. <laughs> <That's>, <laughs> Auburn, it's just like the rest of us, man. <laughs> and like the rest of us. They, they decided to, they said, let's stay together. You know, why do so many people break up when we can make up and we can beat Louisiana Monroe 42 to 14, which is what ended up happening. Or for instance, much later in the game. Yeah. Say you're dating Brian Kelly. Brian Kelly ordered a pizza. Uh, the pizza was supposed to get there because you know what's wor- the worst thing in the world? When everyone in a house is hungry, Right. And, and, and when you start sniping at, and when you start yelling at each other, like, hey, don't snack. The pizza's on its way. Stop it. Stop eating. Why are you eating fun size Snickers? We have pizza on the way. I think I know who the person eating the fun size Snickers is in this relationship, right? <laughs> don't judge me. Just a <laughs> guess. It's probably you or me. <laughs> This is, this is the main reason why Spencer and I can't get married to one another. <laughs> That's, yeah, they, they, that, that there are many reasons. This is number one. We'd both fight over. You need a house where only one person really wants the five, the, the, the fun size Snickers. Rent, 
Electricity, $100. Cable, $75. Font size Snickers, $8,000. Please, someone help me budget my money. My family is dying. <laughs> Speaking of families dying, now Florida doesn't have a coach yet. Just just putting that out there. We're going to talk about that because I know that's that's what everybody wants to talk about. You know, this is Chip Kelly. I heard he was hired. Yeah, you, you heard he was hired. He, si- he, he, signed, was hired. he signed three contracts. He has to sign five. To, to fully defeat the demon that it, the the big boss that is Florida athletics it's hard it's a regenerating boss and you got to find its weak spots and its patterns he's developed an appeal a codicil oh my god he filed an injunction remember it's Florida it's gonna begins with a lawsuit ends with a lawsuit everything else in between is just delicious arbitration speaking of day-to-day positions yeah Notre Dame they, they won 24 17. And, you know, that's that's what you wanted out of this game, right? You wanted Navy to be there right at the end, which they did. This is a horrible letdown game, by the way. Like, it's just built into the schedule, Notre Dame schedule. We did actually mention this before the season, that, you know, you can make fun of Notre Dame for a lot of things, right? Like, living in dorms as a senior, when you should be living in some sort of, I don't know, derelict, derelict slumlord apartment, right? Yeah, it's freedom. Got out of the dorms. This is cool. I got one poster. I got a PlayStation and uh, I got a fridge full of beer, and some chips. Yeah. Instead of that luxury, you're living in a dorm. What a, what a foolish decision on your part. But anyway, th- this schedule is mean. It's a mean schedule start to finish because after that letdown loss to Miami, yet another letdown built in a triple option team. Bam. And then next week, guess who they play, Ryan? Is that Stanford? On the road. Yeah. Yeah, no, they go to Stanford. They play in the eerie quiet of Stanford Stadium. Yeah, it's it's an art installation, what Stanford is doing there. Sort of saying, what if what if you took the sound away from sports? What would that be like? Experience it. Bryce loves silently breaking fifty yard runs. It's it's like when you take a film and you um you remove all the musical backing from it and you're like, oh, the the original soundtrack was pushing me towards certain emotions, but now I watch Stanford football and I feel nothing. Yeah, and that working in that void and maintaining some form of inspiration, that's what Stanford football is all about, right? It's the only it's the only football program which is by design an existential challenge to the universe. Yeah, like you know how we're always worried that robots are gonna learn how to be human? Stanford asked the opposite question. What if humans can learn how to be robots? Wouldn't that be cool? Wow. That is actually like in keeping with a lot of the things that Stanford historically stands for. What if we could turn people into machines <laughs> and just have them work? Robocop, oh, oh. Robocop does have the mobility of your typical Stanford quarterback, so it works. That's true. And the heart of gold <laughs> outlined in circuits. <laughs> just because it's a machine doesn't mean it can't feel or love. It shouldn't, though. We're trying to work that out of this system. Um, yeah. yeah, it was, you know, what, two ranked teams lost this week, Oklahoma State and NC State. Um, both should feel bad about what happened. Oklahoma State, at least, almost pulled off a hell of a comeback after falling grievously behind against the Wizard and his uh, merry band of Juco boys. Um NC State, on the other hand, I don't know. I yeah, I'm sorry. You're you're not allowed to have too nice of things. Some sometimes you can have some nice things, but you're seven and four. 
this wonderful NC State season that included beating Florida State, that included playing Clemson close again, that included beating Louisville. It's still going to be eight wins max. NC State just is caught in the tractor beam and cannot ever fully pull away from the eight-win Death Star. I'm sorry. Yeah, I don't. It's a long turn. And I'm glad that they hopefully recognize how long a turn. Like the the thing you always want a football program to know long term is what they are. You want them, you know, you want to know what you are, right? Yeah. Like you don't you don't want to be um, That's that's what self actualization is. Right. You gotta know your strengths and weaknesses. NC State's gotta know their chief strength when they're good is going eight and four. Right? That's when they're good. And when they're bad, uh, it gets very, very bad. But when they're bad, they think they're an eight and four team. And when they're an eight and four team, like most programs, they might say, "Well, why couldn't we win it all?" You know, in just like four years. No, you got to give Dave Doran like you got to take the Mississippi State approach. You got to take the we'll give you ten years to get to like ten wins. We'll build, y'all. You got to go back to two thousand two to find the last time NC State won double digit games in a season. Including a bowl game, which is just – it's not—it's tough. I, 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 I honestly feel bad because th- there have been some good and competitive teams in there with talent and good coaching and fun to watch. And, and this NC State team is probably up there with some of the more interesting ones. They just have it, – it's weird when you look back and you say, okay, what are the four losses? They lost to South Carolina. Okay, uh, that's a mm-hmm. loss that, you know, that South Carolina team was better, or at least more complete, uh, healthier at the start of the season. Yeah, They lost to Notre Dame and Clemson, totally defensible at this point. Uh, and then they lose this weight game. So it's just like, they can't ever quite have that. They can't ever have the Miami season where they can play stupid and still win a game. Because Miami right. played very stupid against Virginia, and they still won oh. that game. In the end, it's like, yep, still won that game by multiple scores. Not a big deal. Yeah, and there's a real material reason for that, by the way. They're not that talented. When you're talented, you can you can pull some dumbass games. Yeah. Right? Like, you can do what Miami did, because even, yes, Miami, at this stage in their development, Miami still got some outrageously talented people, right? And the people that they're playing, on the whole... Uh, they're not as talented, right? Miami's in that like top 20, 25 group of people who just starting from a default roster, right? It's going to be good enough to go six and six, even with pretty bad management, right? Mm-hmm. And with good management, sky's the limit. NC State, um, that's not you yet. That's not you. And it may not ever be you, to be honest, right? Like like you might have to manage against that kind of expectation. So, so with that, just to say that when uh, NC State, I believe, was what when they were they went six and zero oh? at one point to start the year. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, they were no, no. Sorry, six, they went six, six and one. Six and they one. were six and one to start. They lost to South Carolina to start. Okay, when they were six and one, I was thinking, I don't know. I mean, why is why is anyone possible? And a wise man, Lamonte <laughs> Jones of ESPN. <laughs> said, you know a five-game losing streak's coming. And I said, no. Oh, no, no, no. This is, this is and, very, and very simple. And he was wrong, because they barely beat Boston College. 
that's that's right. That's what that's what counts for improvement and a, a likely win. Likely. If so listen, certain. listen, listen, they better beat UNC. Like, <laughs> like, 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 I'll, I'll, I think on the whole, this NC State season has been good, but a little disappointing given that there was the possibility of something really exciting if they had just like win the South Carolina game and I don't know, be, be Clemson in the close game for once. Now you're talking about a vastly different season. Also beat Wake Forest. Um, but yeah, you can't lose to this UNC team. You just can't. This was a very good week, though. I know, like, we look through it and it's just like, yep, team we thought it was Georgia beat Kentucky. Was it uh, close there for a little bit? Yep. Was it close at the end? No, no, it wasn't. Ohio State beat Illinois. Wasn't ever close. Wasn't ever close, which it did make it funnier when uh, Ohio State fans, including several that we're very big fans of, you know, wanted to talk about how cowardly and stupid the SEC is for playing FCS opponents this week, like, are those teams that different from Illinois? Is it mm. that is is the gap that wide? Listen, I know Wofford is like a top five FCS school. Tell me that Wofford v Illinois is not a live game. I, now that's I'm cherry picking, by the way. Mercer is not Wofford. Okay. No, no, no. Mercer is not. But uh, UAB Illinois. You can't, are you are you confident UAB can't win that game? No, I'd put money on UAB. I had UAB beating Florida, like for the record. I'm I'm still stunned that that happened. We're broken and miserable people. That's why. Yeah. So, but here's what this weekend was good for. I have a list of eight Power Five teams that, by virtue of not winning this week, and some of them were winnable games against beatable opponents, and some of them were not. They will not be going bowling this year. You've got Syracuse losing so badly to Louisville. Like, like just a thorough bloodletting of a game against Lamar Jackson. 56-10 is the final here, which it looks exactly it looks exactly like a Louisville game from last year and a Syracuse Syracuse game from like mm, two years ago. Probably. Yeah. Yeah. The only, the only difference is that like Lamar Jackson just, they, they pulled up. They, they kind of pulled up. They still ran for hammer down. They still ran for 411 yards on 42 carries. The total number of yards. I haven't seen. Yeah. I have it in notes. That total number of yards. Oh, it's 727. Yeah. That's, that's easing up. They doubled up an opponent that got 335 yards of offense. Mm-hmm. Just, mm-hmm. yeah, and that's not a um, – and then you got Maryland loses their seventh game against Michigan State. I did not watch any of this. I cannot tell you what happened. I do not care. But this is just a mm-hmm. reminder that Maryland opened the year with a road win against Texas and is not going to make a bowl game. Life is full of magic. This was the year of the reverse Texasing, by the way, which was the Texas back mm-hmm. as opposed to the 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 man. Texas is just done for the year. They're, they're absolute trash. And and, you know, I'm not saying they're national title worthy or anything, but we're on the cusp of finishing seven and five in year one and in, in a clear rebuilding year where, you know, you had to start a start a fresh quarterback and Sam Ellinger and, and look they're 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 at the very least going to go 500 and given recent history and what usually happens in year one 
you got to take that to the bank and run, man. I mean, I mean, other than the Maryland game, you can't look at any of the games they lost and said, oh, you that's embarrassing. Lost on the road to USC in overtime. Lost by five points to Oklahoma. Lost by three points in overtime to Oklahoma State. Lost by 17 on the road to TCU. Like, that's that's perfectly respectable. Perfectly respectable. Beat up, like, handled business against other teams. You know, just, I, I think this is, you're right. It's not like a Texas, like, oh, shit, the giant is awakened. But the giant is at least, like, starting to snore a little less. He's working on his sleep apnea. He's got breathe right strips going on. He's feeling better. He's going to be so rested when he wakes up. But not, th- not today. Not today. He's, he's been walking every day. Like, there's just, there's a lot of good things happening. He's, he's a chamomile tea. Oh, my God. Text, hook him, cam- chamomile. Um, Vanderbilt lost to Missouri. We have not, mm-hmm. t- we have maybe the most slept on thing about the SEC this year is how good Drew Locke has been. Because Missouri has not been a very good team, or at least wasn't at the start of the year, and so everybody's just sort of decided, like, well, there goes Mizzou being dumb assholes again. But they've now won their last five games. Admittedly, some of those games were against bad teams like Idaho, Connecticut, Florida, and Tennessee. But they're mm-hmm. six and they're six and five. Drew Lock is, um, I think, thrown thirty-eight touchdowns this year. He's having a great year. Like there's signs signs of life. Arkansas, you're not bowl eligible because you lost a possibly winnable game to Mississippi State. Nebraska, you're not bowl eligible because you just just got tore up by Penn State. I know you scored 44 points. I don't care. It doesn't matter. Um, Rutgers, you're not bowl eligible because you got blanked by Indiana. Pitt, Pitt has Pitt is the most painful. Pitt. Did you see the end of the Pitt Virginia Tech game? Um, I did not. Shockingly, I did not. So, so Pitt got the ball back with I want to say like two minutes to play, and had to convert a maybe like a fourth and twelve. They did so either to a slowish wide receiver or a tight end. I honestly don't remember which. And he breaks uh, at least one tackle, maybe two. Uh, is thundering down the sideline. They're down six at this point and gets tackled into the end zone for what is called a touchdown. But very clearly in live play and upon review, no, he's actually down at the two. Virginia, uh, Pitt now has the ball at the Virginia Tech two with like a minute 15 to play and one timeout. S- nope, did not score. Ran, I believe, two runs that got stuffed. Then a pass that probably should have been pass interference, but would have still given them only three seconds left to play. And then, and then a running play that went for a loss of three yards. It was a very rough, like I'm not saying Pitt would have beaten Miami to get bowl eligible anyway. It was a very rough way for that to happen. And yeah, Tennessee, you're also not bowl eligible, but Tennessee, Mm -hmm. Tennessee needs to beat Vanderbilt. Or they will go winless in SEC play for the first time ever. Let's do it. Let's do it. Be legend. <laughs> let's just. Let's just. I mean, you know, if you're gonna, if you're gonna make a memory, let's make sure it's a Clarion one. Make sure it one can't confuse with everyone else. Let's make it. Let's make it a trademark, a signature. Let's start. You, you talk about okay. Let's let's start at the bottom and now get here. 
uh, starting at the bottom is being winless in SEC play for the first time. Listen, this is just this is just this is just demo year. All right, this is Chip. Chip's coming in. And he's just demo in Tennessee this year. Then Joanna's going to come in, Coach Joanna Gaines. She's going to coach him up, throw some throw some uh, tasteful antique furniture, weathered some weathered wood, maybe some can lighting. Mm-hmm. Ah, a decorative yeah. uh, some some decorative wood letters, some tin. This place is going to be amazing. You're going to be so happy that you you gave us this. Uh, Tennessee, are you ready to see your fixer opera? You just pull away the you pull away the picture of Butch Jones that's in two parts and split down the middle, and <laughs> then behind it you have Outback Bowl Birth. Oh man, they'd kill for that right now. I'd kill for that. Instead, you know, you you get jo- uh, a new John group just standing there happily. <laughs> I call this guy John Gruden because that's his name. <laughs> You always wondered what Spider Y Banana was about, huh? Oh, man. John Gurdon has a spider on his penis. That's what we're saying. <laughs> That's why you want to hire him. If you live in Knoxville or Tennessee generally, look around you as you're listening to this podcast. Do you see John Gurdon? No? Then that means he might be at the athletic department signing a contract, doesn't it? You can't prove. You don't have proof to the contrary. That's the important thing. Whenever you don't see John Gruden, he could be signing a contract to be Tennessee's head coach. Right behind you. <laughs> right behind you. He could be a Calhouns. Remember, that's how that's how things have gone so far. We'll touch on the coaching search a little bit more, getting ahead of ourselves, but Calhouns had to issue a, a statement. That's how you know things are getting serious. Calhouns, a restaurant by the river, on the river in Knoxville, got real excited. That was part of a official PR statement by Calhoun's that the restaurant itself, the building, the foundations, the food within it, everyone included, got excited about the prospect of John Gruden being there to discuss things with Peyton Manning. Was John Gruden there? No. Was a blonde man at the head of the table and captured uh, discussing things with Peyton Manning, even though John Gruden was verifiably in Seattle, thousands of miles away, preparing for a Monday night game? Yeah. Yeah. Hey, hey Emperor, Emperor, Emperor Palpatine has Emperor Palpatine has meetings without being there, Donnie. Oh my God, this is so bad already. So, um, do we have anyone else who's not going to be making a bolt besides you know Florida? Florida, I mean Florida already had that sealed. They didn't have to do it. I mean, yeah. I'm glad. Good for them for beating UAB and showing some signs of competence, mostly on special teams in the mm-hmm. process. Uh, no, other than that, I mean. Purdue, Indiana, I believe next week will be for bowl eligibility. That's exciting. Uh, I think Colorado, Utah next week will be for bowl eligibility as well. And I want to say Cal. Whoever Cal has last, they have UCLA. So if um, And the winner of that will be bowl eligible as well. That's probably a good segue to talk about coaches. Oh, we got rid of – we got Jim Moore up out of the paint. This week. Sweet baby boy. Yeah. Yeah, sweet baby boy. Let's just go over all of the ways in which this was just not not consequential in the least. You know, like it's very it's it's hard when you have a coach and you go, Well, I don't know, like like what did this whole tenure mean? How did it happen? You know, what were the results? I in the end you're just I man, I don't know. He was all right. You know, he, he was all right. That's it. This is like his, this is his first go. 
And and as first go, he was, you know, above 500. I don't think he was, you know, 600. Did they win anything? Yeah, they they got like a they got a a, a Pac-12 South title in his first year, and then after that, just kind of, you know, a couple of 10 years. Those were nice. You had a Sun Bowl win. You know, that's it's more than Lane Kiffin's got. It's true. It's true. Everybody's high on Lane Kiffin right now. Yeah, he's at FAU. He should be winning there. You know what he doesn't have? The crown of te- the crown of the Sun Bowl. He just doesn't have it. He will be sealing that. He will. <laughs> but, you know, I will just say, there's only one man in this discussion who's been king of Juarez. Officially. Officially. And that's Jim Mora. But, you know, two, two and two in bowls. A little over 500. Uh, which I, I think that's... That record's probably a little more damning when you go, well, how was the competition doing, right? The competition always being USC and Los Angeles. And USC wasn't exactly lighting up dur- during this time span. It was a real window of opportunity for them. Also, Mora managed to land uh, somebody who I think in the NFL will bear out to be you know, a, an, a generational talent in terms of quarterbacking, Josh Rosen, at least at the college level, and didn't really fully sort of exploit that. Well, no, he, yeah. he he got him hurt. That was fun. Yeah, yeah. I mean, handling of quarterbacks when you go back with Jim Elmore is kind of a, a thing. A question mark, is it not? Because, well, you know, he's the guy who decided that Michael Vick, after running wild in the single wing under Dan Reeves, you know, we really need to turn him into a West Coast passer. That's it. Let's put him in the West Coast offense. Let's make this boat a refrigerator. <laughs> let's, let's exploit the gifts of his feet. And his cannon-like arm and put him in a system that requires deft touch. This boat keeps water out, and that's what we want out of a refrigerator. Three to four years of intense training and route development and, you know, reading defenses combined with an extremely complex touch-oriented passing scheme. Yeah, we can do that in a year. It's a great idea, Jim Elmore. Let's take Josh Rosen and, you know, give him three offensive coordinators in three years. That's a That's a fantastic idea. So, in, in other words, uh, bye, bye, Jim Moore. Just, just bye, bye. It's good. Cool. It was a good run. It was a good run. Um, plus, it allows us to have exciting coaching rumors. Like one, this came from, I believe, somebody who does radio in St. Louis, and I say that because you should be pouring so much salt, so mm-hmm. many grains of salt on this right now. But this person said that he has sources. At UCLA, reporting that Jeff Fisher is under consideration for the UCLA. Yes. <laughs> oh man, it's happening! You can't go seven and nine at UCLA. It's not possible. It's uh, you know what? If anyone could do it, it's our boy. He God. could find he could find a way. Guess what? He's already there. All of his stuff's there. I'm convinced that a good 30 to 35 percent of all hiring processes involve. Um. Well, he's already got the keys to the place, right? Mm-hmm. He we've, could just roll we, up. We've seen him in similar color schemes, so we know he looks good in like yeah. blue, blue and gold. We like that. Does he? Does he have some sunglasses? Oh yeah. Will he show up? Yeah, that's that's. We need a coach who shows up. I know for sure. Jeff Fisher will definitely show up, especially if there's a free lunch. If there's a lunch special, Jeff Fisher will definitely show up because you know what? The savings add up over the years. You may not think 
little passive spending like that adds up. But you know what? Check mint.com. It's help Jeff Fisher. It'll help you. <laughs> Add all that up. You could buy yourself a house. Maybe, maybe just a house in like. We got it. We got to stop promising people houses on this program. Okay. Mike Riley. Mike Riley is still employed. Yeah. Mike Riley is somehow still employed at Nebraska, despite everybody and uh, their mother and their mother's agent knowing that that he's I don't know if I don't know if there's any way he's out there because remember it's always about who's available and people in Nebraska genuinely believe that um, that one the job is still as attractive as it was in 1995 very debatable and two that they have a chance at somebody with a connection and an extremely active and important resume right now that'd be Scott Frost former Nebraska quarterback calling calling mama home People, people still think that's a thing. And, you know, it like, it might be. It might not. It might not. It really might not. I, I assume what's stalling this out is that Nebraska, because Mike Riley is so nice, Nebraska is making a condition of hiring a new coach. Like, you have to tell Mike. You have to be the one to let it down. And so whoever they go to, we'll take Scott Frost for an example. They're like, yeah, okay, um, we're excited to have you. Here are the terms of your agreement. Uh, make sure everything looks good. We've got uh, the presser scheduled. One thing before we finalize this, you do have to go tell Mike Riley he's fired. And they're like, oh, that's like telling Santa he has cancer. I can't do that. Why would you make me do that? Santa Buddy doesn't does. have cancer, just for the record. Just show show us you really want the job by killing the guy who currently has it. That's that's what this is. It's not even breaking the pool queue up. That's just throwing the pool queue down and being like, you got to beat the guy to death. He won't he won't fight back. Sorry. That makes it worse. He's so nice. He'll hug you as he dies. Why are you telling me this? I don't want to do this. Well, hey, well, hey there, partner. Here here to slit my throat. Can I buy you a burger beforehand? Got to have protein before you. Beat me into a bloody pulp. I love you. Stop saying that, Mike Riley. I forgive you. God damn it. Stop I forgive it. you for that, too. <laughs> yeah. This is just, I mean, this, none of this, I think we just agree, none of this is Mike Riley's fault. None of this. Like, you took the job. That was basically, that was basically the only mistake you made. The rest of it is, you're you. This is what you do. None of this is shocking. Mike Riley was on the hot seat, what, like four four weeks into his Nebraska tenure? That is that is a that is a surprisingly hard place to be. When you're when you're a nice guy. That that's that's amazing. Yeah. So like if you're complete if you're a complete dick, maybe you can do that, but yeah, nobody's nobody's real sure. Oh, and what happened to that athletic director? Oh, he gone. <laughs> he was, that's another thing. You're like, oh, who hired him? Yeah, a guy who no longer works here. It's that's just, how that worked. It's just weird because we're going to look back and we're going to say, okay, Mike Riley got three years uh, at Nebraska. Bill Callahan got four. It's a real thing. Yeah, Bill, Bill Callahan, who responded to inquiries with, bleep, bloop, bloop, bleep, bloop, bloop, bleep. I think that computer just told me to go fuck myself. Yeah, it did. did. Called you a fucking redneck. The other, <laughs> the other, the other things that I think Nebraska is doing, though, that early indicators are that they're going. You know, we should really look at a guy with um, 
we should look at a guy with some option bona fides. We should look at some triple option, which is a good understanding of where you're at in Nebraska. You probably should, because that's in order to remain competitive. That's about where you're at. You know, pro style. No, no. Spread. It's, it's not looking like it. You might want to might want to bump down to triple option and just watch some flowers bloom, right? Because you're not growing trees yet. Deep into this metaphor, we should go to a place that's all but deforested. Two places. It, who on earth does Tennessee get? <laughs> that's, that's this is my question. Yeah, my my real question because uh, once certain big dogs are eaten up, right? Once Florida takes, um, I don't know. Either the UCLA job or the Florida job, or if he just decides to sit on his hands, nobody knows what he's thinking or what he wants to do, right? But if that happens, then Florida will probably move on to Scott Frost. And that'll have to happen after he's done with the season. So that'll take a minute. But if all those pieces are up in the air, right? Yeah. Then then who who the hell? I mean, this might be Dan Mullen's escape. I don't know if it's a huge improvement, but it is different. I am excited. I am excited to see Tennessee fans possibly have to cope with the idea of Todd Grantham as their defensive coordinator. That would be interesting. Third and third and Grantham. Third and Grantham. There's a clip of somebody behind UT athletic director, John Curry, who ill-advisedly took a, breezeway out i guess there's no way out of the press box at one point you just have to take a breezeway through the gen pop in order to get to your car which i imagine he wants to get his car very very quickly right and somebody was behind curry the current athletic director and the guy's just yelling give us gruden hi gruden and the look on curry's face for a second before he gets his composure is just one of nausea just oh god so here's what's confusing to me. I'm going to do – I think my count is accurate here that there are like 13 Power 5 jobs that have not turned over um, since since 2012. They've had somebody in there since from 2011 or earlier. It all, that's a lot of – that leaves a lot of teams that have had at least one if not multiple coaching hires in the last five years. Can you think of a single other Power 5 school where John Gruden's name has even been mentioned, has even been floated, has even been like a murmur of a whisper on a message board? Nope. Isn't this – shouldn't this be like a huge warning factor at this point? Like mm-hmm. I, I, I feel like Tennessee is like, we want to colonize Mercury. And everybody's like, well, nobody else thinks that's a good idea. Everybody agrees that that is unworkable and a bad plan and will only end in doom. We're like, no, Mercury loves us. Mercury's close to the fire of the sun, and that's the inspiration we need to get this team back on track. We need to be closer to the huge ball of energy that drives everything in the solar system. You talk about big orange? That's big orange. Let's go move right next to it. What is the appeal here of John Gruden? Just that he might like you? Is that all that it is? That you might have somebody who likes you back? You know, I grew up in the state of Tennessee, Ryan. Yeah. And you're asking me why people would believe things against all reason. (laughs) Even when they've proven to be completely wrong or ill-advised or imaginary. And I'm just going to let that lay there and just say that... um, 
there's no explanation for it. Tennessee football None. 2018, inherit the wind. <laughs> Why would you defend against evolution in the court of law? <laughs> no, it's, yeah, I mean, I, I, I genuinely don't. Here's what I really don't think Tennessee fans are prepared for. John Gruden is way shorter than they think he is. I think Tennessee fans are like, John Gruden, he's like 5'11", 6 feet. John Gruden is maybe 5'8". He is, yeah. he is a small man, and they are not prepared to be like, oh, no, we hired a Teddy Graham. God damn it. My number one candidate for the position of head football coach at the University of Tennessee, based on my experience, is leave the state and live somewhere else. Oh. So Brett Bielema? Brett Bielema it is. Brett Bielema. Let's put him in there. Actually, the, in all seriousness, I would, and I, I, this is a name that has come up with the job and that I think would do a really good job because honestly, he was a really good college football coach. And I think that's been overshadowed by his experience in the NFL. <clears throat> and I don't think personally, he's probably real pleasant to deal with. Um, and that his name alone will probably make you chuckle. And I'm just going to say it anyway. Greg Giano would kill that job. Oh, boy. I mean, in the good sense, not in the sense of like Derek Dooley killed that job. No, Derek Dooley killed. He, he did kill that job in a different way, as in he threw it in the river. I feel like if you put a picture of Derek Dooley next to Butch Jones, next to Greg Schiano, you're actually creating evolution going backwards. And like the step after this is, you know, Cro-Magnon. And, and eventually mm-hmm. it's like, please welcome Tennessee head coach Fish with Legs. We're very excited to have Fish with Legs here in Knoxville. We think he's just the unholy transition state between the ocean and land that we need to get Vol Navy excited. I'm not. This is not. This is not helping the I argument know. for Greg Giano. I'm sorry. Ryan. I didn't mean to. Evolutionarily. Oh, 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 oh. Sorry. Slow sorry, up. Sorry. I think what you need to say is that I think that Greg Giano would have an intelligent design for the program. <sighs> <laughs> you know, if you want to make this a textbook kind of argument, I think you could say that Greg Schiano would understand the challenges of working there and is desperate to prove himself. So, ergo, I think he would be a pretty good poll. Either way, with Dan Mullen or Greg Schiano, mm, yeah, your administrative assistant there, wear a helmet. <laughs> why does he? Uh, keep, I would also. Why does he keep it, asking for rotary phones? He likes to throw them. He likes the heft. We're gonna, you know, like before, before this, uh, other open jobs, Arkansas. I don't know, man. I don't know. <laughs> what, what do you do? With, I think you should just. I mean, you could. Gus would. Gus would be fun. Gus may not be leaving his current job. That's kind of an issue. If I ask you this too, if you're Mike Norvell, is is moving to Arkansas? I mean, I know that. Money-wise, it's it's not a lateral move. It's just not, right? Mm-hmm. At one point, Arkansas was willing to vouchsafe a $16 million buyout to Brett Bielema. They'll write checks, right? Yeah. You know, like, that's that's a challenge. You kind of got things going in Memphis. Like, I don't know. That might be working harder, not smarter for Mike Norvell at this point in his life. Yeah, I mean, he... He played, he played co- uh, college football in Arkansas, so... You know, he has the advantage of being one of the few people that you say don't exist who have been to Arkansas. 
he's definitely been to the state. And that that alone is a qualifier to be considered for the position of coach at Arkansas. This based on our theory that Arkansas might be imaginary. We're also not ruling out the like out of nowhere hire where nope. we're, we're just like, oh, shit. Lovey Smith is coaching Arkansas. He just bailed on Illinois after a bad season and everybody's fine with it. That's weird. Why did that yeah. happen? Okay, cool. Now, if if the if you do get the dominoes moving, right, um, and you get an open Auburn job. No, oh, don't do this. Don't, I feel like the more we talk about it, the more it's less likely to happen. And it's just, you know. Well, because remember. It's, it's like, the, be- the beauty of like a, 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 any good heist movie, Ocean's Eleven or whatever, is that they don't tell you how it worked until after the job is done. You know, that's all correct. I'm saying. That's all I'm saying here. I'm telling you, maybe, just maybe, Jimbo Fisher comes home and goes to Auburn. Because I still don't think, this is the other the other running gag that yeah. I love. You know A&M's not firing someone, right? Yeah, that's. I was going to say, I feel like that's the thing that's just sort of quietly not having any movement whatsoever. And mm-hmm. it's a little perplexing to understand why, because... Texas A&M has had a pretty blah year. I mean, I'm, good job beating Ole Miss. You're seven and four. You know, if you beat LSU, that will be the the only real feather in your cap this year. All your other wins are against teams that either are, are South Carolina or will be looking for a new head coach. Right, and this South, remember on- South Carolina, the model of stability in the SEC. That's right trustworthy this is only this is only a little bit of a lie so this is coming on the the heels of of a polini-esque streak of consistency on kevin selman's part that post manzel um it's been eight and five that's it and you're coming up on your fourth year of eight and five and remember to bring this full circle you got to know what you are you got to know your weaknesses right when you put on a t-shirt you got to be like hey buddy it's never going to be a six-pack right when you're trying on pants, you got to be like, I'm, I'm flat butted. I got to come to accept this. These pants got to fit. And AM, I need you to be real honest. Are, are you an eight and five team that thinks you're a 10 and two team historically? Or are you going to be real honest and be like, well, you know what? You know, our man has his peaks and his valleys. Right now we're in a valley, a protracted, you know, four, maybe even five year valley if you look at going 500 in conference. I need you to think about where you're at historically and go, do we think we can do better this year with this specific person? Nay, you're looking at Jimbo Fisher, who, I don't know, man, feels like a burnout case at this point when you look at how things are going at Florida State. You, do, is, that the, is that the savior? Is that who you want to bring in? Like, oh, it'll, it'll revitalize him. You, Will it? Will it? I mean... Look at Kevin Sumlin. He doesn't exactly look revitalized. We'll just keep him hopped up on pills. It'll be fine. And, <laughs> we're close to Mexico. We get the good one. <laughs> it's just here's here's the other. Let's look way ahead. Do you know who uh, AM plays in two of its first four games next season? I do not. They play Clemson at home September eighth, week two, and two weeks after that they go to Tuscaloosa to play Alabama. So. I can, I would, it's not impossible to see 
the less miles situation happening where someone comes back for another year. And then if they, I honestly, it feels like they have to ideally win one of those games, but they have to be competitive in both or else, or else you are reaching a point where it's just like, well, what's the damn, what's the purpose of continuing this? You know? Yeah. It's not enviable. And I don't, I'm glad I don't have to do it. There are a lot of jobs I'm glad I don't have. Texas A&M head coach is one of them. Partially because I'm bad at it and I would disappoint everybody around me. But also because I don't want to disappoint A&M fans because they have swords. They have swords and they're smart enough to find you. You know, like I think there's probably fan bases in the state of Texas who might have swords but are not smart enough to find you. Or are smart enough to find you but, but are just otherwise you know, disincentivized from doing that. God, we really could get Texas, Texas A&M in a bowl game. I know it's not going to happen, and I know that it's like everybody's going to push against it on the Texas side, and it's just not going to happen. But let me dream. Let me dream. Man, it'd be delicious. It'd be fantastic. And you know what? I bet a highly motivated Texas team beats Texas A&M, and you know what Texas A&M finishes with as a record? If if they upset LSU and everybody's like, oh man, we're keeping someone. Lose to Texas in a bowl game. Go eight and five. Everybody's mad all over again. Oh, again, I'm just describing your situation. I'm not I'm not pushing one way or another. I'm just saying uh, you could stay at eight and five forever, or you could gamble on something that you probably made up at the last second, right? Which would be super Texas of you. Woohoo! Let's do some ad reads. Um, again, these are all from generous listeners who donated to our charity drive for hurricane relief earlier in the season. We are we should get through all of these in the calendar year, especially when you include the 40 for 40, which, God, just thinking about it makes me a little queasy. But we're not there yet, and so I don't have to talk about it. I'm going to start with thanks for Joe Malugin, a Houston civil rights and plaintiff's personal injury lawyer. To be clear, we are definitely not suggesting you call him for personal injuries or civil rights violations because neither he nor we have cleared this sort of an ad read with the state bar or wherever else that we need to. We're just telling you that he's there and he donated. And like all lawyers, maybe he will disappoint you, but that might just be in a personal capacity. Lawyers, they're very hard to live with. That's true. I believe I have a read as well for this week uh, from Chris. In honor of your Florida Gators, I'm doing this at the absolute last moment. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate that. I don't suggest that you do anything else like Florida does, but this is the one thing that uh, timing really doesn't matter, right? From Miles. Take a deep breath. That's a long one. <sighs> College football brings out some cardinal virtue in all of us like the drunk-ass gener- drunk generosity of a tailgate, or the sudden, deep-in-your-bones connection you have with justice when you get screwed by a bad P.I. call. Let's harness those things by agreeing to balance back, uh, balance back call injustices with charitable contributions. Glasses ref totally boned you with an unsportsmanlike conduct. That'll be 15 yards, but also 15 bucks to Oxfam. Phantom hold when you're finally in the red zone. Walk it back 10 and drop a Hamilton for the local food bank. Do something productive with your rage. Keep a donations page tab open on your phone throughout the game and tell the man to fuck right off by doing some good when he tries to block your shine. Miles, this is inspiring. I, I think 
uh, do something productive with your rage is pretty much the uh, complete MO for for this podcast and for anything else we've ever done. So I'm glad you see that. I completely condone it. Keep a tab open for the charity of your choice. Uh, we're all too happy to help you find one of those and uh, let us know. Show some documentation and we'll read whatever you want us to on this year's podcast. Which school believes it is most regularly screwed by the officials? I know that's mm. a hard question to answer, but just give me one. Let's see. The one team I have always heard complain most about the refs is my own, but that's just because I notice it. Sure. Yeah. Historically? Hmm. The the fan base I know that is the most complaint oriented and will get the most legalistic about it is Michigan. But I think that's a personality thing because every Michigan fan um, is either a lawyer or a potential lawyer. So, you know, or some sort of that describes everyone. Right. Uh, no, this describes Michigan. <laughs> <laughs> but this is like, so, I, so this is what Michigan should the university should do. They should embrace this whiny tendency and they should say, hey, this is a thing we're doing. Before the Ohio State game would be perfect. Every like, keep this tab open on your computer. We're doing a special, you know, drive for Michigan athletics. And every time you think the refs absolutely fucked us over, throw us five bucks, throw us five dollars, so that we can use that money to kidnap the the families of those referees and teach them about the value of a Michigan experience. <laughs>